as at least some of you probably are aware, our local Erev was apparently down for Yom Tov, and questions arose about carrying without an Erev. Now, Yom Tov is certainly much more lenient than Shabbos with regard to carrying when there's no Erev. On the other hand, in a way, that makes things actually more complicated. Shabbos, it's pretty much uh, black and white. No Erev, no carrying. That's uh, pretty straightforward. On Yom Tov, the rules are actually more lenient, but actually somewhat more complicated. We know that the Torah says you're allowed to do malacha for ochel nefesh, for food preparation on Yom Tov, and that extends to other malachas as well. Not all malachas, but it extends to many malachas. Many malachas can be done both can, can be done for food preparation. And moreover, there's the principle of mitoch, mitoch, Hebrew word for since, mitoch shehutra l'tzarech, hutra nami once malacha is mutar for food preparation purposes, it is also mutar on Yom Tov for non-food preparation. Those malachas that are mutar for food preparation are mutar for non-food preparation as well, generally. Some malachas are not mutar even for food, like you can't pick apples off a tree on Yom Tov for food, and certainly not for non-food purposes. But those malachas that are mutar for food preparation, like, like fire and cooking and so on, carrying are mutter for non-food preparation as well. So in general, carrying is actually mutter on Yom Tov without an Erev. However, the, the, the halacha is, we paskin that when we say that mitok shutru l'tzarech, chutru nami l'tzarech, which means that you can light a fire to burn down your friend's house. So which, me, which means that the... Most, many poskim, most poskim say that when we say mitok shotru l'tzarech, chotru nami something is, melachas that are mutter for, for tzarech hachal nefesh, or mutter for shalol l'tzarech also, most poskim rule, certainly for Bnei Ashkenaz, we rule that shalol l'tzarech, it has to be tzarech hayom ktsas. It has to be at least somewhat for the benefit and need of the day. Cooking, doing melacha shalol l'tzarech klal, without any good reason at all, is still usher, either midaraisa or midrabanan, but doing malacha shalolot tzarech at all is, is still usher. So, examples of that include doing malacha for a day after Yom Tov, for Chol, or even for the second day of Yom Tov. That's why they always make those announcements about don't stop preparing for the second day of Yom Tov until the first day of Yom Tov is over. And it includes doing malacha for non-Jews. And it also includes doing malacha when you don't have a sufficiently solid reason for doing the malacha at all. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight. You have to have a need. Malacha has to be for a for need, a need of Yom Tov. And the question is, what's called a need? The, we talk about needs and wants. What are needs and what are wants? Is every want automatically considered a need in the sense of tzarech of tzarech Yom Tov? So what, what standards have to be met before, before you can... Be- what, what standards have to be met before you can do malacha on, on Yom Tov? I'm sorry, was, uh, so, someone was saying something? So, the, that's, the way, that's what we're going to discuss tonight. What, what standards have to be met for the, to be considered Tzorach Yom Tov? And opinions of the post can vary, perspectives vary. In the, uh, on the one hand, there, there are those who are relatively lenient and consider Malacha to be almost self-justifying in Yom Tov, almost by definition, if you have a real need, then it's mutter, and the only cases that are usher 
are when there's no real need. So, for example, uh, our rabbi said that the, the only case he could think of that carrying would be us here would be carrying just junk that you didn't bother to clear out of the bottom of your stroller. But in virtually almost any other case that you would want to carry, if you want to carry, that means you have a need, assuming you're a rational human being. If you choose to carry, you must have some reason for carrying. If you have a reason for carrying, that's Tzarek Yomtev. That's, that's one perspective. And some poskim have a stricter perspective. Some poskim take a narrower, tighter definition of need. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight, the, some examples of how the poskim approached various cases of need, and in order to understand what, 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 what bar has to be cleared before we say that carrying is mutter on yomta. We're going to focus on a tshuva in the sefer Prihasada. The, the Chuvas Priyasada is a Chuva Sefer, a Hungarian work, about a century ago by Rabbi Eliezer Chaim Deitch. He was a Hungarian posek, a student of the, student of the Maria Sadr. He, he lived between about 1850 and 1916. In his Chuvas Priyasada, a modern Hungarian halachic classic, he discusses a case of someone who was donating a Sefer Torah to a shul and wanted to make the donation on Shavuos. Shavuos, the, the Yom Tov Kabbalah Satara, the Yom Tov of Bikurim, as we'll see soon, he wanted to make the donation for certain reasons on Yom Tov. And the question was, is it permissible to carry the Sefer Torah to the shul on Yom Tov? So let's take a look. I, I don't know much about the author, Rav Deitch. He was a, uh, within the Hungarian tradition of the, the, great, uh, the great halachic experts in, in the, latter half of the latter half of the 19th century, a generation or two after the Chassim Sofer. So, but I don't, know, I don't know much about his life, but, but he fits into, the, he fits into the, the glorious tradition of Hungarian poskim. And he was asked the following question. Someone wrote a Sefer Torah, wrote or commissioned a Sefer Torah, wanted to donate it to a shul, to a basic nessus, on Chag Shavuos. The question was, as I said, is he allowed to carry the Sefer from his home to the shul on Yom Tov? So what's the question? So the, the person who posed the question to Rav Deitch said that, on the one hand, as I mentioned earlier, we pass in that hotzah, shalolotzarach klal, carrying for no reason at all, is asr on Yom Tov, when there's no Erev. Apparently there was no Erev in this town. It doesn't mention an Erev, but apparently there was no Erev. So he said, Sefer Torah, you think that Shul's needs Sefer Torah, why wouldn't that be called Tzarech? So he says, no, it's not a Tzarech. Why not? Because the Shul has a Sefer Torah already. They already have one Sefer Torah. Maybe they even have two Sefer Torah. They have the Sefer Torah that they need. They don't, they, they, there's not a need, in the, in the strict sense, for another Sefer Torah. They, they can read the laning of Shavuos from the Sefer Torah they have. So that's not called a Tzarech. You want to give the Shul an additional Sefer Torah? That's nice. But that's not called a Tzarech, he says. So what's the question? Why should it be called a Tzarech then? So apparently there's an old tradition that the Achronim bring, some kind of Midrashic or Kabbalistic idea, that if someone donates, donating a, a Sefer Torah to a shul on Shavuos, it's as though you bring Bikurim. Bikurim is a, an offering of, of fruit, of produce that was brought to the temple. It doesn't have to be necessarily on Shavuos, but, the, but the, this, this idea is that donating a Sefer Torah to a shul is like bringing Bikurim to the temple and giving it to the Kohanim, giving it to God, giving it to the Kohanim. So maybe that should be called a tzarech, since this minhag, this, this old minhag, is that there's a special mitzvah, a special religiously significant act in donating a Sefer Torah to a shul on Shavuos. So maybe that makes it a tzarech. Even though the shul doesn't, strictly speaking, need the Sefer Torah, the fact that I can do this mitzvah, that itself is considered a tzarech. 
So that was the, that was the way the Rav Deitch's correspondent phrased the question. On the one hand, the shul doesn't strictly have a need for the Sefer Torah. On the other hand, I get a special mitzvah by donating it on Shavuos. So maybe that is considered a need. So he begins, Rav Deitch, the author of the Priyasada, begins by establishing the basic rules for carrying on Yom Tov. He says, on the one hand, we do apply the rule of mitoch, l'kuli alma, all posts can agree that we say mitoch with respect to otzah, that carrying is mutter, not just for food preparation, but for any, for any other reason as well, for any other need as well. However, we pass, you need tzarech hayam you need at least some level of need. Again, need doesn't mean it's a matter of life and death. Need doesn't mean that you have no food to eat, and if you don't carry the food, you're going to go hungry the whole day. Even if you just have ice cream, you already have, you already have your, your meal and you want to have some ice cream, you want to have some wine, that's also called a need. It's not a need in the, the strictest sense of need, but if there's something that will benefit you on Yom Tov, something that will enhance your Yom Tov, that's called a need. That's called Tzarech Tas, that's called a little bit of a need, and that is Mutter according to the postkin. But that much you need, you need some level of need. He brings different shitas about exactly how to define need. He brings, that postkin say, even spiritual need. Mitzvah need is also a need. He goes back and forth on this question, but he says, the, the Ikra Din, we're going to say that, bring, that carrying something for a mitzvah is considered a need. So, for example, carrying a Sefer Torah, because you need to read the Sefer Torah, the shul needs a Sefer Torah, doesn't have a Sefer Torah, that would be considered a need. It's not a physical need, it is a spiritual need, it's a religious need, that is called a need as well. It's not ochel nefesh, it's not a food need, but that's mitoch, the principle that mitoch shehutra l'tzarech, once malacha is mutter for the tzarech of ochel nefesh, it's mutter for other tzarech as well, even tzarech tzas, even uh, moderate uh, need, even when it is not a question of physical need, but mitzvah need, of religious need, that's all mutter, and therefore it would be mutter to carry a Sefer Torah to the shul if you needed that Sefer Torah to read from. Good. However, he says in the third paragraph, I'll call upon a mavur, the stam Sefer Torah, oster lahotzi l'kuli alma, kivan she'en l'tzarech hayom. To just bring a Sefer Torah in and of itself is not mutter. That's not a need. It's only mutter in Tzarech Likrispo. If you need a lane from the Sefer Torah, that would make it Tzarech Hayom. Now he makes a, a leap. But the, he, he establishes a crucial point, which is to some extent accepted by later poskim, not universally. But he says, If the Shul already has another Sefer Torah, as his correspondent noted, Pshita she'asur lahoti biyamtov then you would not be allowed to bring a, another Sefer Torah, carry another Sefer Torah, because once you already have one Sefer Torah, that is not called Tzarech Hayom. He goes back and forth on this question. He says that, he says that when, when the Rambam brings the example of carrying a Sefer Torah, the Rambam does not say you're carrying it to read from, he just says you're carrying a Sefer Torah. However, he says, that's what the Rambam means, he means you need to read the Sefer Torah. Other posts can do say, Sefer Torah, Likros, and he says the whole idea of mitoch is a chiddush to begin with, the idea that we jump from ochel nefesh, from food needs to other needs, he says. That, that's enough of a jump, he says, to jump to a case where you don't even need it because you have another Sefer Torah. He says that is usur, the fact that you want a second Sefer Torah, that is not a heter. Now this point is actually... Yes. I have a question. Let's say there are like passages in shul, so you can take one in shul. Are you allowed to like... Bring your chumash to shul. So Simcha wants to know, let's say there are parsha sheets in shul, and you would like to bring your chumash to shul. So you can say, I don't need my chumash in shul, I could just get one of those photocopies they give out in shul. Or do you say, no, I want to use my chumash. 
So that, that, that is a very important question. That's what I wanted to discuss now. The, the Priyasada is telling us that if you have one Sefer Torah in Shul, you cannot bring a second Sefer Torah. What if, I want, what if for some reason I, I want the Sefer Torah for some reason? What if it's uh, more used to the layout, it's a little bit bigger, it's more convenient? So this question is actually, is actually the subject of, of considerable dispute among recent poskim, among contemporary poskim. The halacha is that you are, the poskim discuss bringing a siddur to and from shul on Yom Tov, where there's no Erev. The halacha is you're certainly allowed to bring a siddur to shul if you need one. So what about bringing a siddur back from shul? What about bringing a siddur to shul if there are other siddurim in shul? That is actually the subject of a machlokas. There are some poskim who say you are not allowed to carry a siddur home from shul. If you have other siddurim at home, why do you need it at home? Why do you leave the siddur in shul? What are you going to dive with at home? Use a different siddur at home. This is the position of Rav Simcha Bunim Cohen. If you worry about the siddur getting stolen or lost or misplaced in shul, then there's basis for leniency. Then in, in many cases it's mutter. But if there's no genuine concern for getting lost, you just like to bring your stuff home just to know where it is, you don't have a real reason, then it's usher. Now, maybe you're going to say, well, I, well I, can, I can use the Siddur at home, I can, uh, I can read Birch HaSamazin from it, I can say some mirrors from it. So that is a major machlokas. If Simcha Bunim Cohen says that is Osir in his book on Yom Tov, he says that is Osir. He gives the example of bringing back a Siddur, bringing back a Machzor or a Siddur that, that you already use that you don't need. So he says that that is generally going to be Osir. He says, he, he, he says you don't need it. He says that uh, he says that he says that you don't need it because you have other siddurim at home. There's no hatter to just bring it back just because you want to bring it back. Nitik Gavriel, however, of Gavriel Zinner in his book on Yom Tov, he says that bringing home a machzer, even if there's no concern of getting lost or misplaced or anything, he says it is mutter. If you, the eitz is, if you want to do it, just bring it home and read some shiros v'sishpachos, read some zmiros, read something from it when you get home. Now, the post-commit quotes who mention this, they say, yes, you're, you're allowed to carry a machzor in order to read shiros v'sishpach. It doesn't have to be shmonas for your kriyashma. You can carry a machzor for any reason, even if you just want to bring shiros, just want to say shiros v'sishpach. But they're not talking about when you have other machzorim, necessarily. They, they could, that could be that uh, you don't have so many machzorim. They didn't have as many svarim as we have today. The earlier post didn't live in a time where there was a, uh, a cornucopia of svarim all over the place. So Rav Zinner understands, apparently, that even today, where people do have other sparum at home, the is just, if you want to bring a sitter home, just make sure you read some davening from the sitter at home, and that'll be fine. So that's a machlokis. The Rav Simcha Bunim Cohen says, nope, he says, if you have other sitter at home, that is not a justification to carry a sitter home, machzer home, and Mr. Gabriel seems to think that it is. As long as you're going to use it, then that is a, that would be a legitimate hatter. So the Priyasada clearly is assuming that the fact that you may choose to read it is not a hetter. If, if the shul has another sefer, he says, just bringing, just bringing uh, another one, even if you're going to use it, he seems to hold, it's not a hetter. You don't need it. You have a, you have, you have a, you have a Torah already. You don't need this Torah. That is not considered a Tzorach. My, my son's question, if you have parsha sheets in shul and, and you want to bring a Chumash, so that, that would really hinge. So, so again, according to Rav Zinner, maybe it would be Mutter. According to the Machmirim, that would be Aser. Unless there's some reason why you prefer, to, unless you have a, a solid reason, a real reason why you prefer to use, why you prefer to use the, the Chumash. So, for example, if Shemcha Baram Cohen, who generally stringent, he says, if you need this specific machzer at home, for example, it's the only one with an English translation, then it's mutter. So, if there's something about the Chumash that you like, maybe you like to look at Rashi on the in, in between Aliyahs, maybe maybe you like to see the Targum, and maybe the print is uh, sharper and clearer. 
So if you have a real reason or a concrete reason for the Chumash, then certainly it's Mutter. If you have no reason, no, no real reason, if you just have some vague notion that I, you know, I like to use my own stuff, that would be debatable. Is that, is that a real reason or not? If, if you can't point to a, a concrete and significant advantage, you, you just have a general uh, habit or a general desire to bring yours, that would be a gray area, whether that, whether that just kind of personal uh, stylistic preference without a concrete reason, is that considered a good reason according to the stringent view or not? That is something that is not clear. I'll call upon him. So the Priyasada maintains that there is that there should be no justification for bringing a Sefer Torah to shul if they already have a Sefer Torah. So then what's the question in his case? What's the question? Why should you be allowed to bring the Sefer Torah to shul if they already have a sufficient Sefer Torah for the lane? So he says, okay, I'll tell you why. As his correspondent said, there's some kind of Indian, some kind of religious idea that if you donate a Sefer Torah to a shul on Shavuos, that's a great mitzvah. It's like you brought Bikurim. The post can bring that, he says. So maybe, that's also Torah Hayom. Just like bringing a Sefer Torah to read from, to read the laning, or to learn Torah from, or to say Shiros Tzishbachos from a Siddur, just like that's considered a good reason. So maybe fulfilling this Indian of donating a Sefer Torah, which is the equivalent of bringing Bikurim, maybe that's also a good reason. Maybe that's a sufficient reason to allow carrying the Sefer Torah to the Shul. So he says, I don't think so, he says. First of all, he says, we don't establish halacha from Agada, from Midrash, from... The, 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 this is a classic, uh, classic rule that uh, halacha and other areas of Torah are separate magisteria. We don't, uh, we don't invoke non-halachic sources in halachic context. And uh, with, in, in, when discussing a halachic question, then we have, to, uh, we have to use only halachic reasoning, only halachic sources. Furthermore, he says he has several reasons, at least three more reasons why he doesn't think this is a, a good enough justification for carrying the Sefer Torah. Before we go into his reasons, though, I want to just discuss a little bit this notion of Ein Lekvah Halacha Midivri Agada. He says, we don't establish Halacha from Agada. There, there is such a rule, Ein Lemeidin Halacha Mitoch Midrash, that, that we don't learn from Agada, from Midrash, we don't learn Halacha. First of all, post can debate whether that, applaud, whether that means only when the Midrash contradicts the Halacha, or even when it doesn't. In general, also, it's one thing to say we don't learn a halacha from a midrash. Here, we're not really learning a halacha from the midrash. All we're learning is that there is religious value to donating a Sefer Torah. Once we do that, once, once we have that, then it becomes a tzarech, and the, then it becomes tzarech yamtev. We're not actually deriving the halacha from the midrash. One could have argued that simply using the midrash to, uh, to establish the, the, the religious significance of making a donation of a Torah on Shavuos is, is, is well within the, the legitimate bounds of midrash. And once we have that, then it becomes a Torah, but okay, he feels that uh, invoking a Midrash in any way to determine Halacha, he, he has a very broad and, uh, and far-reaching view of Ein Lekvah Halacha Midivri Agada. So he says, first of all, he, he doesn't like the whole idea of, 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 of basing Halachic decisions on, on Midrash, on non-Halachic sources. Furthermore, he says he has three technical arguments, uh, three concrete Halachic reasons why he doesn't think this idea that donating, donating a Sefer Torah on Shavuos is like bringing Bikurim, he doesn't think that would be a sound enough basis to permit carrying the Sefer Torah to the shul on Yom Tov in the absence of an error. And his reasons actually are going to have far-reaching significance well beyond, at least some of his reasons, far-reaching significance well beyond his specific example of donating the Sefer Torah on Yom Tov. First reason... First reason actually has more, is not so far-reaching, it has more to do with the, 
more to do with this whole idea of donating the Sefer Torah, he says, even, if, even insofar as it's true, even insofar as the Kadmonim tell us that donating a Sefer Torah to a shul on Shavuos is as though you brought Bikurim, that's if you make a real donation. It used to be people actually donated Sefer Torah to shuls. Today, as some of you are probably aware, people often, generally, don't make uh, outright donations. Uh, I just did my taxes. You know, the IRS has questions about uh, were there any strings attached to this donation and so on. So people, when they donate Sefer Torah, often do leave some strings attached. They often retain title to the Sefer. They often, they often structure it as a long-term loan until they need it again and so on. So he says modern donations of Sefer Torah are often not free and clear, not by the IRS's definition, not by the, not, more, more importantly, not by the halachic standards. It's not an outright donation. It's still a mitzvah, it's still a mitzvah certainly, he says, but if you want to argue, if you want to argue, it's like Bikurim, he says, according to our custom, that you retain ownership, you can sell it, he says, you can keep the money, he says, and so on. That's not a real hectish. Bikurim is an actual donation. You take some of your produce, your fruit, you donate it to the Kohen. It's like other kinds of hectish. You could donate it to the Mikdash or to the Kohanim, he says. He says that our donations, where you retain, you retain title to the property, he says, it's still yours. You can sell it and keep the money, he says. That is not like Bikurim. Even though it's true, the Sefer Torah will... It sounds like from what he's describing... That, the, the, that it wasn't that you can take the Sefer Torah back for yourself. The Sefer Torah would remain property of the shul, but, but you, you still have some title to it. You can sell the schus that it's considered your Sefer Torah to somebody else. Again, I, I'm not sure what it means you have title if it stays, uh, if, it stays if it's always going to stay in the custody of the shul. Nevertheless, the owner retains some rights to it, he says, some title to it, and therefore the way we donate Sefer Torah today, he says... Then, uh, then, yeah, so again, I'm not sure if the custom in his time was exactly the same as the custom today. Today, I think we often retain even, even greater degrees of rights. You can actually take it back, I think, perhaps in some cases. So I'm not actually sure. I, I spoke perhaps a bit quickly. I'm not exactly sure what the parameters of the donation were in his time, exactly what the parameters of the donation were in our time. But in any event, he says, the donation is not 100% free and clear. It's not a complete transfer of title. Therefore, it is not completely analogous to Hektish, to Bikurim. And therefore, who says, who says that this great mitzvah of donating a Sefer Torah, it's as though you donate, it's as though you gave Bikurim, who says that it applies to our types of donations of Sefer Torah? So again, that's not really relevant to Hilchus Yantip in general, that has more to do with the laws of Sefer Torah and so on, but that's his first point, that the way we donate Sefer Torah, perhaps you don't fulfill the mitzvah of, of Kilu you gave Bikurim. But then he has two more points, which have to do with the laws of Yom Tov. And these are going to be very far-reaching for other questions of carrying on Yom Tov. He says, even if we'll concede that donating a Sefer Torah is a mitzvah, it's like you brought Bikurim, and even if we'll assume we'll extend that to our donations of Sefer Torah, the way we donate Sefer Torah also qualify as Kilo Hikr Bikurim. However, he says, at the end of the day, it's not the same thing as a bona fide mitzvah of the Torah. He says, the poskim, some of the great Hungarian poskim, the Maram Ash and the Ksav Sofer, also contemporaries or, 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 slightly, or a generation before him, some of the great Hungarian poskim discussed the question of carrying a ner yartzeit, a yartzeit licht on Shabbos, ad yantif. So that's a, it's, it's a minhag, it, it has great, uh, great religious significance, it's a toelas gadol for the soul of the departed, he says, to light the yartzeit candle on Yom Tov. Nevertheless, he says, the Maram Ash, one of the one of the outstanding Hungarian poskim, in his, in his Sefer, he says, says, you cannot do that, you cannot carry any Yantif. That's not Tzarek Yantif. 
Tzarek Yantif has to be either a concrete physical need or a well-defined mitzvah, something that's, uh, something, that, something that's a classic mitzvah that has value in halacha, he says. Yartzeit neiros are a minhag, it's a minhag some people take very seriously, maybe, he says, but at the end of the day, it is not a, it is not a concrete halacha, and therefore we cannot call that Tzarek Yantif. Even Ksav Sofer apparently is uh, not quite as adamant about it, but also, he says, is not willing to be makil outright on, on this question. He says, to Mater Ligamri, Hotza and Havara for yardside candles, he says. So, that, so, so that, that's a real question, he says. So he says, uh, he says that just because something has religious value, even if it has undisputed religious value, he says, religious value doesn't make Tzarech. Reading from the Sefer Tzarech, that's something Chazal instituted. That, that's a bona fide, concrete mitzvah, he says. Maybe not Daraisa, generally, but it's a mitzvah. Chazal instituted that. That's considered Tzarech Yantav. But in Yanim, in Yanim, in Hagim that we do, even if they have religious value, that, that's not necessarily the same thing as Tzarech Yantav. I saw in the Nitzhak Gabriel, he takes for granted that lighting a yard site, that lighting a near yard site is mutter, carrying lighting a near yard site is mutter on Yamtov. He says that the, you're allowed to carry Tzarech Mitzvah, you're allowed to carry a yard site candle to the shul, he says, that's all mutter. He doesn't even give a clear source for this. He just says, Pashat, it's Lashem Mitzvah, so Tzarech Yantif, we say mitoch. But the Priyasada says, no, he says, the Imre Eish, one of the, one of the great Hungarian postkim, and the Ksav Sofer felt, no, not every religiously significant act is considered Tzarech Yantif. It has to be a real mitzvah. Not just anything that, that we have a tradition to do, anything that's customary. Chas v'shalom, we're not, we're not belittling minhagim, but not every minhag is Tzarech Mitzvah. And therefore, and therefore, he says, he's not convinced that that would be a justification for carrying on Yamtov. The same thing for donating a Sefer Torah, even if we'll say that it's a great Indian, it's like you brought Bikurim, it's not actually the Halacha of Bikurim, and therefore, just because it's, uh, it's a great religious act, that doesn't mean that carrying on Yamtov is mutter for that purpose. If I recall correctly, many years ago I heard from, I heard, I believe, from Rabbi Shmuel Felder in Lakewood, he was talking about the custom many people have to kasher their oven between Milchik and Fleishik, that some people use the same oven for milchiks and fleishiks, but they have the custom to kasher the oven, to, to, to run a cycle in between, to, uh, to burn it out, so to get rid of residue of, one, of, of, one, of, one, uh, of either meat or milk before using it for the other. I believe he said that it's not so simple, that you can't do that on Yamtov, because Meikra didn't even have to do that. Meikra didn't, if, if, if you don't see actual residue, you can cook, uh, one, if you can cook one after the other. And uh, kashering is a chumrah, is a minog, he says. Not every minog is called Tzarech Yantif, he says. The fact that it's a good minog, it's a, it's, it's a worthwhile minog to have, maybe. Not every minog is Tzarech Yantif. And that's the point that the Priyasad is making. That the, I heard this many years ago, and my literally a couple of decades ago or so. So I'm, I'm not at all sure I'm remembering that correctly. But the basic idea is what the Priyasad is saying. That, B'Shem, the earlier Hungarian acronym, not every minog qualifies as Tzarech Yantif. And therefore... And therefore, he says that the fact that you want to do that is, uh, doesn't necessarily make it Tzarech Now again, we mentioned earlier, Poskim do say that carrying a Siddur to read Shiros Vishishbachos is considered Tzarech If you want to sing some Zmiros, you want to sing songs in praise of the Yomtov, in praise of Hashem, that's fine. That clearly does seem to assume that even for a mere minhag, carrying his mutter. So it's hard to square that with this. It's hard to square why these in Yanim are our mutter, those in Yanim are Aser. Indeed, Rav Simcha Bunim Cohen, in his discussion of Tashlech, he discusses, he discusses carrying a machzer to say Tashlech. 
People often say tashlech. People say tashlech at bodies of water, which are outside. So you need to carry a sidr there. People do. People commonly do. Sometimes you have an error, but even when there's no error, people often carry the sidr. So the question is again, who said that's mutter? You're going to tell me it's tzarech yantif. It's not a mitzvah. It's a minog. It's a minog that's brought by the poskin. But who said that, that that's a tzarech yantif? So Rav Cohen says it's pashat that it's mutter. He brings from the Maladim Uzmanim, Rav Moshe Sternbach, who says, not convinced, he says. It's only a minog. Who said minog makes tzarech yantif? He says, so again, Rav Snokob Cohen says, what do you mean? He says, uh, even shiros v'sishbachos are considered a, a tzarech mitzvah. So why is tashlech any, any, any less than, uh, than shiros v'sishbachos? So, again, it's not clear. You can argue back and forth. But the Al-Kalpanim, the Priyasade here, takes a very stringent view on this question. He says, just because something is a valid minhag, just because it's something brought by the poskim and the achronim, that doesn't mean it's called Tzarech Yantav. If it isn't a concrete physical need, and it isn't an actual mitzvah, an actual halacha, even if it has religious significance, he says, he takes this remarkably stringent view. That's not called Tzarech Yantav, he says, and therefore... He's not convinced that that would be a reason to legitimize carrying without an Erev. Now he notes, he says, that you could argue that Bismanazeh, we don't have Rishas Arabim, we don't really have a biblical public domain, we only have Carmelists, which is only usher to carry Midrabanan. Many posts can say, all of our Erevin are based on that, we, we, we don't make our card of Erev around a real Rishas Arabim, so all of our Erevin in the first place, when, we do, when they are up, are based on the assumption that we don't have Rishas Arabim derived so generally. So there is more basis for leniency, but Afal Bikain, he says, if you can't point to a concrete halacha, the fact that it's a, the fact that it's a, uh, a noble Jewish tradition, he's not convinced that that's called Tzarech Yantov, and he's not convinced that that would allow you to carry without an error. Third argument, and this is also a very, a very powerful stringency, albeit a very problematic one. He says, even if we'll argue that this is a mitzvah again, and even if we'll argue that it's Tzarech Yantov to carry. However, he says, it's Pashut, that even in cases where we allow, we allow Shabbos to be nidcha, we say that you, can, that you can violate Shabbos to do certain mitzvahs. For example, Mila, you can do Mila on Shabbos. Even on Shabbos, eighth day you do the bris Mila. Karbanas, certain Karbanas are brought on Shabbos. So even in such cases, he says, anything that you could do on Arab Yantif or Arab Shabbos, certainly you should do so. So he says, why do you have to carry the Sefer Torah on Yantif? Can't you carry it before Yantif, he says? Can't you put it in the shul before Yantif? Now, I, I know, he says, you want to do this, this Indian, you want to do this mitzvah of making the donation on Yom Tov. But, but, the, but the donation is the mitzvah. You don't have to physically carry it in on Yom Tov, he says. So just carry it in on Erev Yom Tov and put it down there and uh, put it down near the shul, put it in an antechamber of the shul, and carry it into the shul proper on Yom Tov. That's good enough. You don't have to make a whole procession from your house on Yom Tov, he says. It's nice to do that, maybe, but you don't have to do that on Yom Tov, he says. You can be Mekayim Shneim. He says, and also, he says, furthermore, in that way, you can be marba covered yamtiv. He says because the ikar mitzvah of why do you give a sefer Torah anywhere? He says what's the point of a sefer Torah to do the mitzvahs of the Torah to listen to the Torah? He says that's covered at Torah. If, if Jews are mendaktik the mitzvahs to avoid being mechal yamtiv, and they can see from this how important it is to keep yamtiv stringently, he says, and they'll do so in the future. So he argues, insofar as you could do it on yamtiv before yamtiv, you should not be doing it on yamtiv. This is actually a somewhat strange thing to say. Because it is true that on, he doesn't bring any of this, but it is true that, that on Yom Tov in general, there is a halacha that when it comes to machshiri ochel nefesh, when it comes to preparations before the ochel nefesh itself, there is a halacha that you're supposed to, you're generally supposed to do them before Yom Tov if you can. So again, when it comes to things like cooking, we say that the cooking, the food won't be as fresh if, if you cook it before you can cook on Yom Tov. 
But if something can be done equally before Yom Tov and on Yom Tov, then you should do it before Yom Tov. So the Rambam Paskin, the Malacha, that was Efshir Lehiasas Me'er of Yom Tov, Belo Yibo Hefsid there's no downside, there's nothing wrong, except maybe you're a little bit busier on Erev Yom Tov, but if there's no reason not to do it before Yom Tov, then, then the Chacham said, you should not wait till Yom Tov to do it, even though it's for food purposes, that's true, we do Paskin like that. However, the Rambam also Paskins that carrying is an exception. Carrying, he explicitly says, is an exception, not entirely clear why, but the, the Rambam says that when it comes to carrying, he says... They're, they're, he says, carrying always, carrying can always, it's always, it's, it's always possible to carry something before Yantav. Not literally always. Sometimes you have something that's not even around before Yantav. You get a delivery or you get uh, something was difficult to carry before Yantav. But in general, carrying is always, usually, almost always possible to do before Yantav, he says. So why didn't they, so yet Chazal allowed you to carry on Yantav? So the Rambam says it's to increase Simchas Yantav. You should be able to carry stuff around freely. You shouldn't have to feel constantly constrained and your hands are tied and I can't carry. So the Rambam does say that carrying is always mutter, even if you could have done it before Yom Tov. So I'm not sure why Rav Dai Cher decided that when it comes to carrying the Sefer Torah, all of a sudden he says that just like Karbanos and Brismila, anything you can do before Yom Tov, you should do before Yom Tov. When it comes to carrying, there seems to be an explicit halacha that the, even if you... Even if you could have done it before Yantif, you still do it on Yantif. I, I didn't really have the chance to figure this out. Perhaps he understands that L'chatechila, we tell you Erev Yantif, do it Erev Yantif. If you didn't do it Erev Yantif, we don't tell you now you can't do it on Yantif. If you didn't do it Erev Yantif, you can still do it on Yantif. But L'chatechila, if you're planning your day, you're planning your week, you should do it before Yantif. Maybe that's what he held. I'll call upon him. He has this remarkable Chumrah, despite what the Rambam says, where all the later Akronim all bring, that when it comes to carrying, carrying is an exception to the general rule and that you were allowed to carry on Yom Tov, even if you could have carried it before Yom Tov. Rav Deitch says that if you, Rav Deitch Paskins, that if you are able to carry something before Yom Tov, you should do so, and you should not leave it to be carried on Yom Tov. Again, many cases, it, it won't be possible to do it, uh, to do it before Yom Tov, but many cases it will. So, for example, somebody wants to bring a Siddur to Shul. So if he has no place to leave the Siddur in Shul, any place he leaves it, it'll be lost or misplaced, or the shul doesn't allow it, or whatever the reason is, then he has no choice but to, but to bring it on Yom Tov. But if he has a place to bring it before Yom Tov, he has a box for his talus or something, and he could bring it before Yom Tov, according to Rav Daich, you should do so. Your talus also. If you could bring the talus before Yom Tov, you should do so. Certainly, certainly with regard to bring it home, we said that many posts can say you shouldn't bring it home if there's no reason to. If you can leave it in shul, you should leave it in shul. If it'll get misplaced, and you can't, then you can't. But, but in general... If there is the possibility of carrying it before Yom Tov, Rav Daish says you have to do so. You shouldn't, you're not allowed to deliberately wait and say, I'll carry it on Yom Tov. You are Mechoyev, he says, to carry it before Yom Tov, particularly when it comes to a Torah, he says. The whole point of the Torah, of the mitzvah of the Torah, the cover of the Torah, is to, inc- is to keep the commandments within it and to demonstrate the importance of the mitzvah. So certainly, he says, relying on leniencies and carrying it on Yom Tov is counterproductive. Rather, you should show that it's important to follow the Torah, it's important not to carry on Yom Tov when not necessary. Therefore, he says, the Torah should be carried before Yom Tov and should be placed somewhere near, near around the shul before Yom Tov. It should not be carried on Yom Tov. He goes on, he says, this is actually not the first time, he says, he encountered such a question of carrying a Sefer Torah to a shul on Shabbos as a donation. He says, Maiserav, Uvda Yadana, I'm aware of such a case, he says, this occurred... Uh, this question was posed to the Admar Hagon Hamiti of Aaron of a city called Miholwitz, Miholwitz, not sure what that is. 
And he says, this Rav, this, this Rebbe wrote a tshuva, wrote a, gave a long explanation of why it was Usser. And there he says, it wasn't even possible to carry it before Yantiv. There he says, there was, uh, there, there was no way to put it in a nearby house. I guess putting it in the shul would have defeated the purpose of bringing it to the shul on Yantiv. There was no house near the shul to put it in, within the Erev. And the choice was either putting it in the shul or uh, leaving it home. And he said, put it in the shul before Yantiv. There's no after he said, to just uh, carry it on Yantiv. You can't do that. Certainly, he says, in your situation, his correspondence situation, he says, I know in your shul there are places to leave it, in, in the chatzar of the shul, in the, in the general area, inside an area of near the shul. Somewhere else, he says, that's what you should do, that, uh, that he says, you, 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 should put it, you should put it there before Yom Tov, on Yom Tov, you should carry it from its place to the shul, and then you'll get the mitzvah, bring Bikurim, he says, all of this, he's, he's convinced is correct. Calls it nearly lahalacha u lemaisa. This is what he feels is uh, is correct lahalacha and lemaisa, and you should not carry the sefer Torah to the shul on Yom Tov. So this is this is a this is a remarkable example of the stringent view of Yom Tov. Even though he, they have a very good reason for wanting to carry the sefer Torah on Yom Tov, it is not a sufficient reason to allow carrying on Yom Tov without an eruv. First of all, he says, if your good reason is based on Agada, then Bechlal, he's not sure he can get all, he can get the first base, he says. A good reason based on Midrashim doesn't have enough halachic weight, he says. And even besides that, he says, he has three reasons why. First of all, he, he quibbles on whether this actually fulfills the mitzvah of Bikurim because of the technical nature of how the donation is made, Bismanazeh. But furthermore, he has two tremendous chumras in El Chasyantif. First of all, he says, first he says that the that just for a minhag, even something that has religious value, if it's not an actual halacha, that's not considered tzaruch yantif, and that's something that has immense ramifications for yantif in general. You want to carry asfarim or yard sites, other things, you want to carry things that have religious value, but are not an actual halacha, he takes the remarkably stringent view that that would be asr, that's not tzaruch yantif, unless it's an actual mitzvah, an actual halacha, that is not tzaruch yantif. And his second reason is, his third reason is that the... Anything you can do before Yantif, you have to do before Yantif. You should not be leaving anything to do on Yantif. We, we only allow carrying on Yantif when necessary. Anything that can be easily done before Yantif should be done before Yantif. Again, cooking, if, if the food will be better, fresher, tastier, if it's done on Yantif, you can cook it on Yantif. But in general, something that can be done before Yantif should be done before Yantif. Despite the ruling of the Rambam, he somehow understands that applies to carrying as well. If someone is able to carry something before Yantif, one should do so. And therefore, one should not plan his yantif, intending to carry, if he has a, if he has an alternate, uh, and if he has an alternate solution that will that that will allow him to, that will allow him to, to accomplish his goal, without having to carry on yantif. And again, returning to uh, general questions, other types of questions of Hilchas Yamtov, In general, as I said, we, we find poskim are take uh, take positions with varying degrees of strictness for different types of carrying, different types of carrying where, where you're not doing it for, for no reason or for post-yantif reason, but it may not strictly be necessary, so what do we do? So one common question that comes up is car- taking out your garbage on yamtov, carrying your garbage from your house outside to, uh, to a garbage can without an Erev. If you have an Erev, you have an Erev. But if there's no Erev, the Erev is down. So on Shabbos, you certainly can't take it out from a house to a, to a Rishus Arabim or to a Carmelis. What about yamtov? What about Yantif when there's no Erev? So on the one hand, it's a rational thing to want to do. People, people don't like garbage in their house. 
There are objective reasons. The garbage can smell. The garbage can have bugs. There are, uh, there are just psychological reasons. Some people, it just bothers them to have garbage in their house, even if it's not smelly. You have recycling garbage. So you, you're, you're taking out recycling. It could be very clean sometimes. It could be just paper. But it, it makes you feel better to have the garbage out of, out of your house. So is that a, um, is that a good reason? So Simcha Budim Cohen, for example, rules that you're allowed to take out the trash to alleviate discomfort or inconvenience. What rises to the level of discomfort or inconvenience? So again, certainly if it smells, if it's in the way, you don't have room, takes up precious kitchen space, certainly that's, that's a good reason. If you just uh, psychologically enjoy the feeling of your garbage being outside, is that a good reason? I don't know. But Rav Simcha Budim Cohen then has a tremendous chumrah. I've heard other posts can say this as well, that, that Rav Cohen says, if you can put your trash someplace in an area that it won't bother you, but still within the Arab, for example, your backyard. Let's say you can take your garbage and just stick it in the backyard somewhere. It's not going to attract bugs in the house. It's not going to, uh, it's not going to bother you necessarily. Not much difference if it's in a can on the side of your house, if it's in a can in your backyard. So it's just, it could be even farther from the house in your backyard than it is in the cans on the side of your house. So uh, are you allowed to take it out to, a, to, to the street or to the, to the sidewalk, to the outside the Arab? If you, have an, if, you have an, if you have the option of taking it to an enclosed backyard inside an Erev. So he says uh, that you really should. You should do that, he says. If you, if, if you can remove the garbage from the house without carrying into an area outside an Erev, you should. If it's not possible, he says, if we assume the, the Matthias is, it'll cause discomfort even if left in the yard, then, then you can take it out to, uh, to the public domain. My, if I recall correctly, my... My father was very disturbed. He, he attended a share from a, from, a certain, uh, from a certain Talmud Chacham who said, even in your house, if you have space like upstairs in a spare room in an attic, just take your garbage upstairs and put it someplace out of the way where it won't bother you. My father, I think, thought that was a little bit excessive, that it'll bother you up there also. It'll still smell. It'll still attract bugs or whatever. Is leaving garbage for a couple of days inside your house. Is, uh, it's very reasonable to say that that still bothers me. But outside, I don't know, outside in a backyard, it's, 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 it's hardly... Again, if, your kids, if you're planning on having a big picnic in your backyard and the garbage is going to be too close to your tables or your kids are going to run around and knock it over, and, and again, then that might be a real issue. But the, there, there are posts who say that a person should not take his garbage out, uh, should not take his garbage out from, from a house to, to, to outside an Erev if there's an Eitzah. Either if it doesn't really bother you in the house, then that's not a Tzarech, or if you, uh, if you have an eight of taking it someplace within an Arab inside your backyard, which is fenced in, then again, then, then, then there are posts who say that you really shouldn't take it out, in, you really shouldn't carry it into, the, into an area not enclosed by an Arab, because that's not a tzarek, you don't have a need to do that. The fact that, that, that habitually that's what you do, that that's what you like to do, because that's part of your routine, again, not, every, not everything that you want to do, not everything that you would normally do if it wasn't Yantif, automatically is defined as tzarek. The many posts can, many, not all posts can perhaps, but many posts can take the position that just because you want to do something, that's not enough. You have to demonstrate to us why there's an actual need. A, whether, whether it's a need or a want, as we tell kids sometimes, that does it rise to the level of a real need or is it just, uh, again, you don't need a real need for yantif. The fact that something will taste better or it's an additional food or treat, that's enough of a need. But there, there's some standard. There has to be some level of, uh, of, of genuine need. Just because you choose to do it, you want to do it, it's not self-justifying. Many posts can say that you actually have to have some level of objective need. And furthermore, if there's some solution to accomplish your need without, uh, without carrying an yantif, then also sometimes you have to do that. Rav Simcha Bonham Cohen says that that means if you can take it to a backyard rather than outside to the sidewalk or the street, you have to do that. 
And the Priyasada has a remarkable extension of that. He says if you could do it before Yantif, you really should. And you shouldn't wait to Yantif to do it. So garbage, certainly, if you already have uh, bags that are, that, are, that are done, you really should do it before Yantif. You should, you should take it out, even if they are smelly garbage and they need to be out of the house. Anyway, you might want to take it out early then, but even if, you're, but even if not, you, according to him, you really should try to take things out before Yantif. You should carry your Sidra to Shul before Yantif, if possible, if practical. If, if you have space for it in shul. If you don't, if, if there's no way to do it, then the siddur certainly you can take to shul. All the posts can agree, a siddur, a daven, you can take to shul. Even shirim v'sishbachos, even just taking a siddur for zmiros, for, uh, even just taking a siddur for, for minhagim, according to most posts, can mutter. Again, the priyasada has this very, uh, this very strict view of things, that for a mere minhag, which is not a halacha, does not justify carrying things. Although, again, it's hard to, it's hard to know how to square that with what many other posts can bring that carrying a siddur from Meres Miros is mutter. And furthermore, he has his other chumrah, that carrying something that could be carried before Yantif, you shouldn't do, which again is a little hard to understand in light of the Rambam, but he takes this remarkably stringent view that, 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 that these cases are both usur, and therefore in his, and they're both not proper at least, and therefore in his case, he recommends that the Sefer, he, he rules, the Sefer Torah should not be carried on Yantif, but should be brought near the shul before Yantif.